let's have a look at those verses together um, over the next few minutes. This is the, as you can maybe tell, this is the last in our series through the letter that we've been looking at in the New Testament, Paul, Paul's letter to Titus. Um, and uh, it's all about staying impactful on, on mission. It's the last thing that Paul mentions to Titus before he signs off. And um, you've got these little verses that you quite often find at the end of Paul's letters that include names that are sort of obscure to us and, and, and things that just sound very irrelevant to us. Um, but I, I want to put it to you this morning that these things are not irrelevant. In fact, they carry great weight and they're very interesting when we start to understand what's going on uh, in, the, in these verses. So today we're, we're, we're considering this idea of staying impactful on mission. It's important for a church to stay impactful on mission. Uh, there's a whole bunch of reasons why they will come to you in a few minutes, why a church will wander away or become less impactful or turn inwards. So Paul give, gives us two um, mechanisms to really remain impactful on, on mission. And the first one that we'll see is that mission, to stay inf- impactful on mission, requires what I'm going to call the translocal ministry. So staying impactful on mission requires a translocal ministry. And the second thing it requires is a deep experience of grace. Those two things. And if we open ourselves to those as a church, by God's grace, we will stay impactful on mission. So first, what, what, what are we saying here? Uh, to stay impactful on mission requires translocal ministry. Um, as I mentioned, we're, we're, a, we're a church, we're a community, but we're a community on mission, uh, meaning that the we, as, as with every other local church there's ever been, exist for a purpose. You know, there is a direction of travel uh, when it comes to where we're going. That's, that's what mission is all about. And our mission, as it always has been from the beginning of, of the days of Christ and the apostles, is about making disciples of Jesus, empowered by his spirit, to glorify God. That's what we do. That's what every church should be doing. And that's been part of our DNA um, here at Foundation Church from the very beginning. And so what we'll be seeing in these uh, three verses, also in, uh, verses 12 through 15, is this sort of snapshot of this connectedness, this interrelatedness that we see uh, between the churches. And if we can grasp that, um, then I think we'll, we'll be well on our way to staying impactful in mission. Um, so let, let, let's take a little look. These, these, these are verses that I don't want to rush over. I think when we're reading, maybe on our own at home, these are things that we just sort of, uh, you know, breeze by. But there's much that we can learn. Don't forget, this is the letter that Paul the Apostle has sent to Titus, the sort of the apostolic delegates, if you like, to uh, Titus in, in, in Crete, which is the island um, in the Mediterranean. And uh, Paul is actually, as we'll see in a few moments, he's on the, the mainland of Greece in a place called Nicopolis, um, which is, a, which is a, a port. And that's, that's where he is, and that's where he's written from, and uh, most likely, and sent, sent this letter to Titus. And as we saw at the beginning of the letter, Titus's role, the reason for him being dispatched to that place, was for him to put what remained into order. Remember that from uh, verse 5? Put what remained into order. You're to come and bring structure, Titus. You know, you're to come and bring organization that will support the new believers in Jesus. Uh, they need help. They need something around them to, to, to support their growth, much like a sapling tree. You know, you need to st- put the stake in the ground and sort of lash it together. So otherwise it'll bend, it'll, it'll, it'll fall over. They need that. Uh, they need communities to be formed around the gospel. That's your apostolic role, Titus. 
And so Titus, most, most obviously, is, a, is an organizer. He's an implementer. He takes the, the vision and, and puts it into to work. And he, he's obviously a, a strong leader, or has to be a strong leader, because he's instructed by Paul um, to, to take on the false teachers, the fake teachers, that are trying to twist the good news of Jesus to their own ends. Titus is to be someone who's an exemplary model to the churches. He's to be diplomatic, addressing the older men and the older women in his congregation with dignity, but yet with clarity. He's to do all that. But as we can see, you know, in verse 12, and most likely this is coming to the end of Titus's sort of overall ministry, Paul says, I'm sending reinforcements. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing in a few other people. And then he mentions there in verse 12, I'm going to send Artemis or Tychicus. Tychicus. And when they arrive, I want you to come and join me at Nicopolis. You know, the, the sea, the sea port. Uh, when you're, in other words, when your job is done in Crete, I need you deployed somewhere else. I need to go and do that somewhere else. Your job is done. Um, Nicopolis was a well-known, uh, as we can see here, a well-known port, but it was um, a winter port. And it was where, you, you know, where Paul chose to stay when, when the weather wasn't great for sailing and he wasn't going to get too far uh, because of stormy conditions and so forth. So he, he was going to sort of hunker down and, and yet he wasn't just sort of uh, passing the time playing Wordle or, uh, or, or a game of cards or whatever he would have done, you know. Um, he was there and he saw multiple gospel opportunities. And, and, and so he wanted Titus to come and bring some of Titus with him. Come and, come and, come and do it again, Titus. I want you to organize and implement the gospel communities that are starting up around the area. But I'm not going to leave the people of Crete on their own. No, no. Uh, we've got Artemis and Tychicus coming. We don't know a thing about Artemis. This is the only mention in the whole Bible about him. But the fact that Paul says either you know, Artemis or Tychicus means that probably the two individuals have a similar gifting, a uh, you know, similar sort of set of skills, if you like. Um, but we do know a bit about Tychicus. He's mentioned a few times in various letters written by Paul. Uh, in fact, twice, Tychicus is, is referred to by Paul as the beloved brother and a faithful minister in the Lord. He's no doubt got a different skill set to Titus, and he was to be dispatched to strengthen the churches in a way that was different to how Titus did it. Paul went on and wrote um, in, in another letter to, to the church in Colossae, he said about Tychicus, he said, I've sent him to you for this very purpose, he says, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. That's what Tychicus was to go and do, to bring news and to encourage the church. And so he probably was to come to Crete to play the same role, the encourager, the shepherds, you know, nurturing the sheep, Reminding them that they're on mission. Reminding them they're part of the, the movement of Jesus and the, the kingdom of God. Bringing uh, with him encouragement about what's happening elsewhere in the movement. What Paul's been getting up to. What the church in uh, Nicopolis is up to. Just strengthening them, encouraging them. Stories of faith from other churches. They've already had the input of uh, an apostolic person, I suppose, in Titus. But now they're having the input of more of a shepherding-type person in the shape of Tychicus. But then he carries on in verse 13. More information. Paul says, um, here it is. 
do your best to speed Zenos the lawyer and Apollos on their way. See, they lack nothing. Uh, likely these two, Zenos and Apollos, are the two individuals that actually carried Paul's letter to Crete. That's, that's why they're to be sort of received and then sped on their way. Um, they're probably just stopping by for a shorter period of time than what Titus was there for. Um, they're to be sped on their way. Um, but this is, this is much more deliberate than just being a couple of guys who happen to be free and quite fancy, you know, being the messenger boys. These are fairly high-caliber individuals, leaders um, in their own right. Uh, for example, we've got Zenos, who is described as Zenos the lawyer. And he was an expert in, in Roman law. So we can deduce from that he was an educated individual. Uh, most lawyers are pretty clever. An able representative. You know, and, and, and we don't know, was he dispatched there possibly for, for his legal expertise? To go and lend the church's hand, to give them advice, maybe to help them achieve justice, because Christians in the very early days did not get justice. They would be uh, ostracized and kicked out, and, and perhaps that's why he was sent there. Otherwise, it's kind of a, an odd choice, isn't it, bringing a, a, a lawyer to go, go and deliver a letter. Maybe that's what he was there for. That's all we really know about Zenos, his profession. We know a bit more about this guy called Apollos, who accompanied him, most likely bringing Paul's letter to Titus in the first place. Um, Apollos figures in, in Acts, the, the book of Acts, and, and 1 Corinthians and a few other places. Uh, Apollos was a, a man with, from a Jewish background. He was a teacher. It says in, in the book of Acts, he was an eloquent speaker, competent in the scriptures. You know, he was a powerful preacher. Um, he had this evangelistic uh, ability to help many Jews and Gentiles see and accept Jesus is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And as we see in the, the first letter to the Corinthians, for example, the, Apollos was highly regarded as a, a very influential leader by the Corinthian church. And so, so you've got this uh, influential preacher, you've got this cultured lawyer, both of them taking this letter to Crete. And so far from it being uh, below them or, or, or something that they, you know, they were too high and mighty to do, they, they, they no doubt relished the, the chance of a visit to go and strengthen the churches in Crete, to, to take them forward even further, to help them stay impactful on mission. I just love the vision that, that, that <coughs> Scripture uh, paints for us here. You've got Paul, the apostle, called and sent by Jesus You've got Titus, the apostolic implementer, sent to go and bring what remains into order. You've got Tychicus, this shepherding, encouraging, uh, nurturing individual to encourage their hearts and strengthen them on the mission. You've got Apollos, this preacher, this evangelist, this, this great teacher, eloquent in the scriptures to instruct and to bring many more uh, to faith in Christ. You've got Zenos, the lawyer, He's the structures guy. He's the systems. He'll sort you out with your charity commission, paperwork, all that. And yet all of these people <clears throat> are working among the churches. They're going from church to church, staying as long as it takes to bring health and vitality before moving on and someone else comes in their place. And we see this in various parts in the New Testament. Yes, there's ministry that takes place in the church. We've seen that. Elders, you know, older men, older women, how we interact with one another. That's all within the church. 
But also we get, uh, as we're seeing here today, uh, these indications, there's much ministry that takes place among the churches, between them as well, sending and receiving. And so we're we're calling this, as as others have done, translocal, across the local ministry. And the idea with all this, as we're seeing here, is to keep the church healthy, to prevent it from turning inward, tapping it into resources which are beyond it, which it could never hope to have on its own, or rather not very quickly anyway. And so for us here at Foundation, that primarily happens through our connection to the advanced movement. You've probably heard me talk about this loads here, maybe too much, sorry about that. Uh, but I'm excited because of this and because of what it can, it can achieve among us. Translocal ministry helps us to stay impactful on mission. But the second thing we see then is that to stay impactful on mission requires a deep experience of grace. And I would argue this is even more fundamental than the translocal ministry. Deep experience of grace. Can you see how Paul ends his letter? Verse 15. Grace be with you all. I just want to zoom in on that phrase with you for a few moments. Grace be with you all. It's not a throwaway statement that he just puts yours sincerely, you know. XOXO. That's not it. He wants them to know God's grace. He says, I want all of you to know God's grace. I want you to know his favor. I want you to know his gifts. I want you to know his goodness. Grace be with you all. And throughout the letter, he has been pointing in different ways to the grace of God. And he begins with himself in the the first introduction, declaring, when he's declaring his own apostolic roots, his purpose and existence, he says, I've I've been sent by God to to, to bring you the hope of eternal life through Jesus. That's my job. And then he confers upon them. He says, all this is grace and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ and Savior upon you, upon you. That's how he starts his letter. And Glenn showed us a few weeks ago at the end of chapter 2. Again, he returns to this idea. Paul returns to this idea. He says, God's grace has appeared in Jesus, bringing with him salvation. Just emitting out of him. His presence is salvation. And as we've been seeing, that's the basis for our community. That's the, the, the basis for our relational commitment to one another is, is Jesus and the grace that he brings. Then we saw a few weeks after that, that God saved us. Paul, Paul writes in chapter 3, you lot were a total mess before Jesus came. You were awful people. And yet Jesus came. And it says he washed you. It says he regenerated you. He gave you new life. He renewed you through the Holy Spirit, which was poured out richly upon you through Jesus. Grace. And then we're seeing here, he signs off by saying, grace be with you all. May grace permeate your hearts. May it occupy your minds. May it deepen your relationships. May it define your ethics. May it influence your politics. May it fuel your leadership. Grace upon grace. And Paul wants the churches to experience grace. Yes, to know it. Yes, to understand it. Yes, to click with the doctrine and say, yeah, that's awesome. But Paul takes it further. He says, I want you to experience grace. I want you to experience it prof- profoundly. 
this unmerited favor of God through Jesus to you. I want you to experience that. I want it to be like the fuel to your fire. You know, I want it to be like the blood in your veins. That's how I want you to experience grace, says Paul. One commentator, one expert on this particular book of the Bible writes that a deep experience of God's grace is nothing less than strength for the battle. He's saying, go no further if you have not had a deep experience of grace. It is strength for the battle. It's essential for staying impactful on mission. And the trouble is, without this deep experience of grace, we're just left with our own energy. And quite frankly, as that psalmist was teaching us in Psalm 130, we won't get very far on our own energy. If we try and do life on our own steam, if we try and earn our way into God's good books, we will find that it is thoroughly exhausting and doesn't work anyway. Furthermore, I think all the problems that Paul has highlighted and and, and addressed in the churches in Crete, these happen when we wander away from grace. You know, when we forget grace or we never truly understood it in the first place, it was just an idea, but it never changed our hearts. That's how we get there. For example, he, he takes on the false teachers, you know, these fake teachers. They never understood grace, or if they have, they've conveniently forgotten it. These are people who are going around manipulating the truths of God, teaching for shameful gain, making money off the back of their bizarre teachings, derailing the faith, distracting many. They forgot grace, or they never wanted it in the first place. He gives us another example. We saw this last week. All these arguments in the church, all these squabbles, these foolish controversies, controversies, as he puts it. These happen when we forget grace. When, when something else astounds us more than grace. Or something else occupies our minds more than the tremendous grace of God through Jesus. That's where we end up. And we descend and fracture and don't do well. So you can see how important a deep experience of grace is when it comes to staying impactful on mission. It's into that context then, into that teaching, that Paul says in verse 14, let our people learn, he says, to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need. Okay, we've heard this call to good works throughout the letter. Um, But this one here seems to be more specific because it is nestled in this teaching about the translocal ministry. You know, Zenos and Apollos and these other guys, Tychicus and whoever else. Let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. Um, These ministers of Jesus coming to give themselves to the planting and strengthening of churches, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works. These are the ones that Paul is talking about when he's calling the church to a devoted approach to good works. He said, these are the ones that we are to bless. 
We're to equip them. We're to see that they lack nothing as they come and serve among us. Because we seek a deep experience of God's grace as a church, therefore we can use our resources, be they money or gifts or people, to support gospel workers, to free them so they can keep obeying their calling to the fullest potential. He says here, do this so that you will not be unfruitful. You become fruitful when you devote yourself to good works. That's what he's saying. There's a great benefit as a church, isn't there, to receiving well, to sending well, to equipping, all that. But it's only after a deep experience of grace that we can experience this liberating, freeing spirit of generosity. Grace opens our hands, it opens our hearts. Nothing else can do that. And when you've had a deep experience, an experiential knowledge of grace, it doesn't become you saying, well, what do I have to give? But instead you say, what can I not give for one who has given so much to me? It begins with this deep experience of the grace of God. We see Jesus, we receive his grace, we taste and see, and therefore we want others to taste and see, to experience what we have experienced, to have what we have, and we want to enter more deeply into that as a, as a church. So it seems to be that in Paul's uh, connection here, anyway, this trans-local ministry is a key way for us to enjoy, to go deeper, to see and experience God's grace even more. To expand our experience and the impact of grace, we need the input from those outside. I love the way he finishes uh, towards the end of verse, uh, uh, in verse 15. He says, all who are with me, that is his team, right? His, his, his apostolic bunch of awesome leaders, all these guys, he says, and probably women too, and all, all, all their families, send greetings to you. They send their grace to you. Greet the faithful for me, he says. He's saying to the church, we are for you. Me and the team, we are behind you. We love you. We love Jesus. You love Jesus. And together, we want to experience more of him. We're for you. So staying impactful on mission, we've seen, requires the translocal mission or ministry and requires a deep experience of God's grace. Let me end with the challenge. It comes in three parts, if that's all right. Uh, I feel like giving you a challenge is the end of a series, start of summer, something to go home and chew on a little bit. Um, three parts to this challenge, and you can, you, can, you can choose which part most applies to you, which, which uh, you, know, you feel most relevant. Here they are, receive, send, and experience. These are the, the, the parts of the challenge. First of all, receive. What do I mean by receive? My challenge to you as a church, I'm speaking to you as one body, church. Receive the gift of translocal ministry in this coming year. Receive the gift. Receive servants who are recognized, who have gifts, who want to come and, uh, around us and strengthen us. And as I hinted at a few moments ago, this is primarily through the advanced movement uh, partner churches that we, 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 we you know, link arms with to share resources, to plant and strengthen churches. 
And, and I know for a fact there are many people out there who want to come and encourage and bless those with apostolic giftings, prophetic giftings, evangelistic giftings, shepherd giftings, teaching, all this stuff, to come and equip and minister and strengthen and sharpen. For example, we've got Grant Van Schalkwick, uh, who leads Redeemer Church in Plymouth. And uh, he's agreed to come over three times in the next few months and bring inputs for eldership training here at Foundation Church. That's because he loves helping build healthy teams and he's got great experience in planting churches and he wants to use that to strengthen you, to strengthen our leadership. Awesome. But I want to continue to expose you to the advanced movement vibe, I suppose we could call it. Um, there's a group of us hopefully going out in October uh, to the next gathering, the next conference. Uh, again, just trying to expose as many as I can to, to that. But in November, uh, we're hosting, uh, Foundation Church, but like Belfast is hosting a gathering of advanced pastors who are coming from the UK um, and, and further afield, uh, coming, coming here, and um, we're, we're hosting them, or say I'm hosting them, uh, and um, what they want to do, and this is, this is kind of new really, but um, is that usually we go out for a curry and a beer, you know, on the, on the Wednesday night. It's just an overnight thing. Uh, but this time we're not going to do that, as important as that is. Uh, what we're going to do is actually get the Way Church and Foundation Church together, um, bring all these pastors, there'll be probably about 15 to 20 pastors, and just gather together, worship, uh, minister to one another. It's not going to be come along for another service and have a talk and then go home again. Um, there'll be a bit more. There'll be prayer. There'll be ministry. There'll be prophetic words. There'll be um, you know, all sorts of things happening. And again, just a way to build into what we're saying here the translocal team, to come and encourage and inspire you. More about that as the year rolls on. Don't worry, we're, we're only in June. Brilliant. Receive. That's my encouragement. That's my challenge. But then send is the second part of the challenge. God wants us to become a sending church. I fully believe that God is raising up people in our church with apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, shepherding, teaching gifts to go and serve other churches, whether for a long time or a short time, to go and strengthen them, both here in Ireland, North and South, and across the globe through our connections with the advanced movements. I read a book recently about Christianity in Ireland, and, and it talks, obviously, in the very early days of Christianity here, the first few centuries. Um, Ireland was a, was, a, was a place that was renowned for sending uh, apostles and leaders to uh, Scotland and to England, but further afield, quite literally changing the shape of Europe uh, for another thousand years. The mind, the religion, through the likes of Patrick or Columkeel, who the Scots call Columbus, and many others like them, from here and, and, and bringing the good news far and wide. And I just think to myself, well, that was then and this is now, and so why can't we in some small way be involved in that sort of zeal and apostolic drive that they had? If God sends us, we'll, we'll go. So it could be that, that God is calling you. Maybe he's speaking to you. So let me ask you, if you had an opportunity to go and serve him, would you take it? Or are you too, too comfortable, too happy? 
I'm not saying you need to go and be sad to go and follow God. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, is God calling you? Is he stirring you? Our vision here at Foundation Church is the gospel transformation of our city and nations through resourcing, renewal, and replication. If you sense God's calling you and, and, and equipping you, then I'd love to talk to you and help you discern with others where God is taking you. Awesome. To receive, send. Thirdly and finally, the challenge is experience. Experience. I want us, you, to drink deeply from the grace of God. I want you to deeply experience. I, I, I want you to have, each of you to have, a personal knowledge of God's grace for you in Jesus. I want that more than anything. Maybe you know about grace as a concept or a doctrine, but you've never felt it. You've never experienced it. Perhaps you previously have experienced something of God's grace, his favor upon you. But if you're completely honest with yourself, the well has run dry and you're no longer in that place of enjoying the grace of God. So my challenge to you this morning is to come straight back to Jesus for fresh grace. This does not need to be a prolonged, agonizing time in the wilderness. Come straight to Jesus. Come running. Uh, Come skipping, come dragging your heels, come crawling, whatever way it takes to get you to Jesus, come to Jesus. If you need others to bring you to Jesus, uh, like the guy who is the paralytic getting raised, uh, lowered down through the roof by his four friends, then get some friends and get them to bring you to Jesus, whatever it takes. He will never turn you away. Of that you can be sure. He says himself, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of their heart will flow rivers of living water. That offer is for you. It is for today. It is for now. Let's draw closer to the heart of Jesus. Let's experience his grace. And let's allow that to animate us further and further in our impactful mission for him and for his glory. Let's stand, let's pray together.